Jay from Real Street should be no stranger. If you've been anywhere on YouTube and you're a car fanatic, Jay's Tech Tips is a YouTube channel that we follow regularly and we love what he's doing, educating the enthusiasts out there in the industry. And we're here at TX2K with Jay to find out a little bit about what makes this white Supra behind me go so fast. It's running in the 2JZ class here at TX2K. Welcome to High Performance Academy's Tuned In Field Report podcast series. In these special midweek episodes, we look back through our archives to find the best conversations we've had through years worth of attending the best automotive events across the globe. We've pulled the audio from these tech-filled interviews with some of the industry's most well-known figures for you to enjoy as a quick hit of insider knowledge. First of all, this uh, 2JZ class is pretty competitive, but you are no stranger to 2JZs and 2JZ performance. Can we start by talking about the engine that you've got in there? Uh, we've seen a lot of people now swapping over to billet blocks, uh, and there's a lot of debate about when you need to go from a cast iron block to billet. So can you give us your thoughts on that? Uh, I think that um, the exact when is depending on what kind of failures you're experiencing. There are guys that can tear up a stock block uh, way earlier than others. So we we um, were getting some deformation in the deck after six or seven runs with um, you know the power that it took to go into the sixes. So the goal for us was to get in the sixes on a stock block and then move to a uh, wet billet block. Now just coming back to that as well, this car's gone as quick as a 691, 199 mile an hour and change. So it's uh, definitely no slouch. And uh, we are just talking off camera before about that change from running in the 7071s to the six second bracket. And uh, while to the uh, average viewer that might sound like a small change, we get exponentially more difficult to go faster. So you can just talk to us about the reliability when you were in that low seven bracket versus the sixes. Well, when we went um, 703, we had a combination that had gone anywhere from the 17s down to 703. And it had um, better than 30 runs on it when we took it apart to look at it. And that same block we went to drag week with and um and race the car more but it just seemed once we went to the 88 millimeter turbo and running more nitrous the um the deck would not hold straight between the cylinders so as you looked from cylinders one to cylinders two you'd have a little bit of a depth and it would start to make some coolant pressure so we have a copper gasket and o-ring and it never um it never uh torched but once it starts making coolant pressure you just have a matter of time that's your warning sign so for those who aren't really familiar with what we're talking about here, it's really all down to head gasket integrity. And as soon as uh, you start getting a, a little bit of leakage there, it makes its way into the cooling system. And that was why we start seeing the coolant pressure. So you can catch it quicker uh, and avoid some more expensive damage where it's actually right. torching the head and the block. And what's one of the things where there is an advantage with the, the alloy billet blocks is that they run a thicker deck surface. So that's really where you're seeing one of the advantages. Well, this engine block is um, similar to what you'd see if you were uh, sleeving your Honda. So you'd cut all the factory stuff out and then drop in like a Darden MID. So that's how this block is done. So it has water around the top three inches or so of each sleeve. So in terms of the power you're at now, where, where is it running and what sort of boost pressure are you using to get that? Um, well, the Motec suggests this abnormally large power number that I can't really believe. It's just this, it's just their fuel math and maybe it's right or maybe it's wrong or maybe it's good for the internet, but it thinks it's making over 2,500. 
Um, and I would say that it has to be probably 22 or 2300 horsepower. Possibly sounds a, a little bit optimistic. In Australian, that's probably about 1600. I'll so just point out. I'll just point out here with with Kiwi. So it's like calling uh, an American a Canadian. So just just to oh, clear that. Sorry, no problem. All right. So we've talked about the engine block there. Uh, can you just tell us what the internals are to support yeah. that sort of power? So it's a uh, Brian Crower 90 millimeter billet crank. It's a R and R rod, um, stock length rod. It's um, a CP piston with a trend pin. Uh, conventional ring set, uh, king bearings. Um, it's nothing particularly unique there. What's the capacity yeah. end up there with that 90 mil stroke? Uh, it's 3.2, and it's a it's nine six to one compression, so it's got a little bit less than a flat top in it. In terms of the cylinder head to flow the air in and out of that, what's been done there? Uh, it's a CNC ported head from Massworks, the same place that supplied us with the block. Um, so it's a factory casting that has a SuperTech valve train and um, uh, a GSC R, R1 cam. Now, in terms of drag racing, making the power is one thing. In 2200, 2500, we're not arguing it's a hell of a lot of power. But getting that to the track is the next challenge. And I also noticed you're running on a 275 radial tyre there. Uh, you've gone away from the independent rear suspension, though, so it's a, it looks like a proper four-link in the back of it. But what I'm interested in there is you're running an automatic transmission. So uh, that's a fair shift away from the, the manual transmission that uh, we we often see in the Supras. What's the sort of aim behind that, or the reasoning behind that? Uh, less work. So if you had a, um, a race-grade style uh, Liberty or something, you have to work on the clutch quite a bit. And um, the torque converter setup with the TH400, it's been pretty reliable, and we just run it. And it does a very good job. So when you let go of the trans brake at, say, 5,400 RPM, the engine speed surges up to 8,500 or so. And then it pulls the car into motion, and about uh, a second and a half in, it rises up the red line, and you make the gear change, and it's around an 8,500 RPM stall speed. But at the end of the track, it's only slipping three or four percent. So it's a nice piece for sure. It's from uh, Pro Torque, and then the transmission's from M&M. So that, that's one of the things I just wanted to talk about there. The, there's pros and cons with the automatic transmission, and, and one of them, particularly when you've got a reasonably small capacity engine where you really want all of the power getting to the rear wheels, uh, the torque converter slip is a bit of an issue. But 3 to 4%, that sounds like it's pretty tight. Is that is that normal to what you'd expect to see? Well, at the start of the run, there's quite a bit of slippage. So it's coupling all the way down the track. Like, it doesn't get to 3 or 4% until probably, you know, 1,200 feet. Um, but, yeah, that's that's what it takes to get it moving. But there is actually also some advantage from that slip initially off the line, as you're yes. also explaining. One of the downsides, of course, when you've got a relatively small capacity engine, a big turbo, and an automatic transmission is getting the car up onto the torque converter, up onto the two-step yep. limiter at the start line. So how are you going about that? Uh, well, there's t- there's normally um, between a five- and seven-second timeout before the time you turn the first bulb on to the time you have to race. So right now I'm using... Um, a series of transmission dumps to dump charge pressure out of the converter. And then I have one nitrous kit on at 2,800 RPM, another nitrous kit on at um, 3,700 RPM. And then the first nitrous kit shuts off at 200 KPA and the second nitrous kit stays on. They're dry nitrous kits and the MoTeC does the enrichment. Okay, so 
a, a bunch of stuff you've just mentioned there. And those dump valves, uh, for those who aren't aware, you're, you're basically dumping fluid pressure out of the torque right. converter. So that allows the the uh, the engine to come up, but basically yes. putting less load temporarily on the engine. Yep. Yeah. So it basically takes the uh, the torque converter um, less energy leaving the engine, makes it in with less fluid. It's just a fluid drive. And then you've obviously got the, the uh, nitrous you've just explained on top yeah. of that. And you've said that second stage stays on. Now, are you running that second stage the whole way down the strip, or is it just no. for the staging? Um, so the way that MoTeC did the nitrous system, it's pretty cool. Um, I use the overrides to stage the car. And then when you let go of the trans brake, the nitrous shuts off, and they're on timers. So one comes on at a, uh, um, a hundredth, so right back on. And then the other one comes back on depending on how the track is. So as soon as two tenths, as late as six tenths. And then I run um, one nitrous kit for three seconds, the other nitrous kit on for five seconds, and I go through on boost. And what sort of power are those uh, nitrous kits adding? Uh, 250. So they're, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a reasonable amount of nitrous. Do you want to take your car knowledge game to the next level? Join us in the next free lesson at hpacademy.com slash free and start developing your own skills today. Uh, now, in terms of getting a car with what is still a relatively small tire, although we talked off camera and you, you, you feel the 275 really isn't a disadvantage, but still getting a, a two-wheel drive car with a 275 wide radial tire down that drag strip, I'm going to guess that at some points you've got more power than you can put to the track. So is that an issue and how are you managing that if so it depends on track prep so um right here uh i can't get enough i can't manage all the power available you know so i have to um it's not a traction limited thing so we'll leave the starting line at 25 pounds of boost and as soon as we leave the starting line we're asking for 60 pounds of boost so as fast as that turbo will get up and the nitrous helps you know get that online as fast as possible in the ECU, you've mentioned you're running MoTeC there. We'll, we'll dive into that a little bit. Are you using any uh, traction control strategies through the MoTeC? Not, not necessary? Well, you'd um, not necessary on a proper surface, but you'd have to do it off of um, drive shaft speed because the front tires aren't guaranteed to be on, on the ground. Yeah, a little challenging. Normally in a road race application, we'd look at uh, undriven wheel speed versus right. drive speed, of course, when the front wheels are in the air, which uh, we've noticed this car is quite prone to do. It's a little bit useless. So uh, that's the other the other way of doing the traction control, essentially, is profiling the drive shaft speed yeah. versus RPM. Now, as a tuner, when you're tuning a car like this uh, and you're trying to improve it run after run, when the car comes back into the pits and you download the data, what are you actually looking for in that data? Uh, the first thing I look for is engine health. So if you look at the crankcase pressure, you know, is the crankcase standard or vacuum? Um, is the oil pressure healthy? Is the coolant pressure reasonable? Um, are the EGTs staying in line? Once you get through all that stuff, then you can nitpick things like Lambda. Yeah. So uh, in terms of that there, you've just mentioned the coolant, uh, sorry, the crankcase pressure. So you're running a dry sump on this and uh, that that crankcase pressure, we're using that to sort of uh, analyse the quality of the ring seal because if the ring seal starts to go away or you hit a piston, then you're going to end up with a lot of blow by making its way into the sump and hence you see that crankcase pressure increase. Beyond making sure that the basic engine health is okay and you're uh, able to go and do another pass, what are you then looking for to try and improve the performance on the next pass? Um, well, you can make the judgment call on whether or not you want to leave the nitrous on longer. So, you know, if you leave the nitrous on longer, obviously the car is quicker. 
So I try to just balance that based off of uh, the competitor and the day and what we have going on. Uh, you also mentioned the exhaust gas temperatures there. Uh, are you using these sort of as a individual cylinder tuning device to adjust the fueling from one cylinder to the next, or is it more along the lines of you've got a safe limit that you want to stay under and you're tuning for that? Um, well, I, I just had put EGTs on the car, so I had been tuning it off of reading plugs, which is pretty archaic but effective because I haven't changed any cylinder trims. The EGTs are pretty good. So I... I'll pull the plugs out of it and look at the plugs on a regular basis and make sure that they're in line. Now, in terms of what we just sort of alluded to before, the car's having a little bit of trouble keeping the front wheels on the ground, right. and particularly when you're in a class where I believe you can't run wheelie bars or you're at least not running wheelie bars. Yeah, we're not running wheelie bars. Um, so we'd run the car uh, quite a few times at a lower launch power, and um, yesterday I was greedy. I put a couple pounds in it, and it drove up into a wheelie. And then today the um, the boost control cylinder actually um, stopped flowing air to the bottom of the wastegate. So the second time we ran, we were 15 or 16 pounds above launch aim. Okay, well, that's definitely not going to help, yeah. but probably impressive that it actually hooked took, up yeah. anyway. There's your 275 tire answer. It took 38 pounds of boost on the starting line. <laughs> yeah, it's probably the tyres not holding you back too much there. Yeah. Oh, look, Jay, it's been great to get some insight into the car. There's still a lot of racing left to go here at TX2K, so we wish you all the best. Look forward to seeing it put down a full pass. Yes, thank you. If you enjoy this podcast, please feel free to leave us a review on whatever platform you've chosen to listen to it on. It goes a long way to helping us get the word out there. All these conversations and much more are also available in full on our High Performance Academy YouTube channel, so make sure you subscribe.